come all ye faithful. I'll let the others do the singing. And just welcome you to the rinky-dinking Christmas holiday and late December creeping toward mid-season pre-winter classic spectac. It's the Razor Boy along with Hey Heike and our own little elf on the millennial selfie shelf, Jeff Totes. Spectac, huh? You're going with spectac. Yeah. You can't really finish that word, can you? I don't want it. I'm, I'm not calling him a millennium anymore. He's a millenni, and it's a spectac, because it's too exhausting. We covered that last one. All right. Right out of the hopper. What did you all ask Santa for this year? Mike, go ahead. I'll go first. This is a very selfish thing. Uh, I want a little old sports car with a four-speed transmission that I can drive around Michigan uh, roads in the summertime, and I think I might try and get one this summer. That well, hold it. Now, I thought Santa comes flies around the world <laughs> on the twenty-fourth. Oh, that's right. He'll and then be. You he'll open be your presents on Christmas morning. I didn't realize this was a summertime event. All of a sudden, in the Heike family, <laughs> there's so a lot of good you, old ones out there. I'll take any. I'll what, do you, take, what do you got your uh, eye on? There's some weird ones. Uh, there's a Datsun 2000, <laughs> which is a, a. It's a Japanese car, fairly dependable. The one that's really strange is a Sunbeam Alpine. So these are 1960s little two seat, you know, sports cars that you just kind of tool around with the top down and. I would like to get one of those. Yeah, like maybe take a day trip up into the UP with it? Sure. That kind of thing? Sure. Mackinac Island? I would. Not, you can't drive, to drive on, on no, Mackinac Island. Right. You have to park it Unless and the ferry. Unless you are the vice president of the United States. Or you're doing a movie up there. Did okay. you guys ever see this movie? Somewhere in time? Uh, no. Okay. Anyway, uh, that's nice. Totesy totes. I look forward to hearing this. Uh, you must have a lot of things on your list. There you? is a lot, but the most immediate and practical, the listeners can't see, but you see this spider web going on on my iPhone. Oh. Uh, dropped it, and it's getting worse yes. by the day, and now the touchscreen's unresponsive, and it's it's just a debacle. That's a very much under 27-year-old affliction, but the screen uh, crack, if you will. I'm really hoping Santa can fix that up i have I, I have a feeling that santa's going to take care of you in that regard and i was under the understanding because i have uh two daughters who are now well only one's still a teen that all iphones were purchased with the screen cracked i thought that's the way they bought them i thought that was the way it, his it has went. been cracked for a while i've noticed it okay See, that's how bad it is. and yet you still produce what you produce on it oh my god way to dig in uh, for me, I want more Lululemon uh, slim ABC pants from Santa. Uh, I wear them on the plane a lot. You can you can get away with them looking like dress pants, and yet there's an elasticity to them that allows you to to sit freely, if you will, including the boys. Instead of the cramped elevator effect in the in the region, it's way more comfortable for three hours on an aeroplane. Now we in the uh, totes could probably do it, do it, but we in the uh, media at the front of the plane can't pull off the stripped down Abercrombie and Fitch catalog 
that goes on in the back as soon as they get on the plane and get into their Lulus from their suits. I think Lululemon would just fix everything if they would just construct a suit for the National Hockey League made out of their material so that we could all just sit comfortably in our suits on the plane, whether we be coaches, media, or the young athletes, wouldn't that fix everything? It's a good plan. Here's my one uh, old man moment in the last year or two. Uh, my son loves those uh, workout pants or whatever it is, sweatpants from Lululemon. And so I've got my eight- Workout pants. Look at Totes is losing himself over here. I've got my $8 how old Walmart are you? sweats on. And I asked, I go, how much does those cost? He goes, I don't know, 100 and, and I said, it's more than that. He goes, probably. And I said, these were eight bucks. No, it's not. It's not, not, not that's not shopping well. Okay, well, he didn't shop well. they have then. a section called We Made Too Much. Okay. <laughs> which is their way of putting stuff on sale. Uh, well, he may be getting them there now. but you should. I, I got my $8 Walmart sweats, and he just <laughs> looked at me like, because you don't actually think I would ever wear something no, like that. No, no. I go, they're 8 bucks, Walmart. Yeah, they look like they're $8, too. I'm sending it home. Uh, the second thing I'm asking Santa for is really good scotch. Mm. Because I like my scotch neat. And I like my water frozen. What, That's what trademark the, Razor Boy. What tastes different? Phrase. Like, is it just the level of bitterness, a level of of what piquant after? I'm not a Scotch man, so what? What is really good Scotch? What does that entail for you? Uh, it, not too peaty, really, really smooth, and uh, warms your innards, and flows out from your core to put you in a in a just just a wonderful, not numb, but but just a, a wonderful state, if you will. With Is that, that the most expensive scotch? Or no, no, find, no, 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 don't get the hey, ones. That's why I wonder. The misnomer with scotch is that, oh, you know what? Here's an 18-year-old scotch. I'm going to get a 25-year-old scotch because it'll be even better. Mm-hmm. It's not true. Not true. Once you hit about 21, it doesn't really matter after that. Uh, but... Glendronic, Oban, or Aubin, depending on how you want to pull it off. And, of course, the greatness of Macallan. Macallan 18 is maybe one of the greatest liquids on planet Earth. <laughs> and Santa knows that. There will be one in my stocking. I and this that. is good advice for the people out there listening. Oh, well, some, anyway. Uh, okay. Uh, this is it. Feel isn't it amazing in the National Hockey League now? It almost feels like old news, and yet it was massive news. A day after we finished last week's podcast, uh, just a a bombshell dropped on the organization with the firing of of Jim Montgomery. Not to overly rehash it. You've written a lot. I've spoke a lot. I think everything's been said that can be said at this point but questions ramifications for the stars going forward i think is is one two not to crystal ball it but what is the future for jim montgomery and uh thirdly what is the montgomery era in stars land going to be remembered for so i'll let you dig in first one uh, 
I actually think the ramifications are going to be fairly smooth. And it's funny, even the players have said this. They throw Monty's name around with affection. They're like, oh, no, he's built us. We can do this without him. You know, what he has taught us, we're going to do going forward. So I find that interesting that the players are saying this, that we know what our plan is. You know, he drilled Well, because it, it is good. kind of a weird thing because the, the staff is— Doesn't the, change. Yeah, yeah. Same thing. And the philosophies were the philosophies. Right. And, the, and, and they were they going were, well. It's yeah, not they were like all they on board. John yeah. Stevens and Rick Bonus are pretty much in lockstep with yeah. what Jim Montgomery wanted to do. And so, yeah, why not just keep going forward? It's, you know, without a hiccup, pretty much. It's very much a co-op feel mm -hmm. to it now, which you don't usually get. Uh, does that happen in other sports, like in football? Is it a cooperative because you have, you have a coordinator of – offense and a coordinator of defense and you have special teams coaches so you have all these head coaches within a team and then you have your head coach correct i think football especially baseball a little bit just because you have a pitching coach and uh, positional co coaches, positional and coaches. That, yeah. um uh basketball no i no. think it's just yeah, one, one personality and they love to stand and wear suits and and, and be out and front get teed up. but football the coordinators oftentimes get as much credit as a head True. coach well and they all end up being head, head coaches. coaches anyway so yeah. so it does have that feel right now of like a football team so i i would my feeling on the first part of this is that i agree with you and they've they've proven it yeah. here in the first week of of this upheaval uh where they've just sort of raised their eyebrow and and moved forward and some uh some credit, maybe a lot of credit, should yeah. go to Jim Montgomery uh, being a head coach that empowered the people around him. Because some guys, although that's changing, but yeah. some guys, you know, it's not necessarily my way or the highway, but I'm I'm going to be the guy that decides this, this, and this. You yeah. guys move pucks from there to there. Yeah. It's your finger, as a head coach, you see them where their fingerprints are all over everything. Yeah. So. Uh, I mean, it was just such a. I know. God. You almost feel sad. I mean, I. Well, I everyone felt sad. Yeah, I don't know exactly what happened or whatever, but this was a guy who was in a good place in his life. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's really hard to sit there and think, okay, what happened and where okay, does he so go from here? With that, obviously, something rather cataclysmic happened. Uh, and with that, lost his job. Now, He's 50 years old, and he's regarded as an ex excellent coach. Right. So w what does the future hold for him now, I wonder? I mean, the one example is Ron Washington, who lost his job as uh, manager of the Rangers, but came back as a positional coach in Major League Baseball, and just all that kind of just went away, and he's just a positional coach now. But not, he'll never be a head coach again. I don't think so. Yeah. He won't be a manager, yeah. you know. So I, I just think with, with Monty, like, at some point, he's going to have to come. Yeah. He is going to have to probably come clean on what went down in order for him to move forward in his chosen vocation. Because yeah. it would be really difficult, would it not, for another organization at any level to say, yeah, no, we're going ahead with this, with the history of why or how he lost his job in Dallas. Yeah. I we as a people, and I think we as sports fans, uh, love a rehabilitation story. Mm -hmm. So I think that opportunity is out there for him, mm. depending on what happened behind Isn't the scenes. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. But, I mean, like, 
it's interesting how people approach things. And I'm not completely schooled on this, so this is just an armchair view of it. But Art Bryles denying that he had anything to do with everything that happened at Baylor under his watch has really made him a, a person who's difficult to employ. Mm-hmm. Now, if he comes out and says, this is what happened, I'm really sorry, I've learned my lesson, I think he'd be an assistant coach on a you know major college team right now. But it's just how you handle it. Well, in a, in a very different light, but also what we uh, chewed last week with all the coach firings and what's gone on, uh, this stuff just came out yesterday with former Stars yeah. head coach Mark Crawford, and that was a long investigation into what went on in his past for physical abuse more than anything else, I guess some mental ab- abuse as well with players, and he came out with a, a deep, detailed uh, mea culpa statement and uh, he's going to be back on the Blackhawks bench. He's an assistant there just after the new year. I don't know why. I don't understand why they have have to have the time. Like My guess is some lawyers have been involved. You think so? I do. I think that they, or weird. consultants, you know, people who are telling the organization this is how you should do things. Yeah, but how does, how does two weeks fix? What does that do? They investigate. It was years ago. I know. And it we wasn't call, with that organization, and there are no charges, and yet you can't work for a couple more weeks. Seems odd to the me. The whole but process as we get older. But I, know. I, I think we said this last week, it's a hard process. I'm glad we're going through it. There were things that happened in the past that needed to change, and yeah. this process of changing is an awkward process, but you know, at least we're going forward, and hopefully we're you know, helping people out. I agree with some of that. The the whole idea, though, that uh, this is a a needed coach reckoning is way too broad brush for me. There's a lot of real... The majority, the vast majority of coaches in our sport are really good people that care a lot and have done a lot and have not done anything close to any of these uh, alleged whether they be assaults, quote unquote, or whatever. I mean, there's no, we talked about last week. Yeah. There's no place whatsoever for any kind of racism. And if that's what you, the right. path you went down, I, I'm fine with you never getting a job in the league again. Right. But there, there's a the idea, I think, I hope this isn't the case, but I worry about outside of just our inner circle in the sport, that people just view now, oh, you're a hockey coach, so you must be abusive and homophobic and racist and whatever else. You know what I mean? Back in the day, it was the youth football coaches who were, you know, the same thing. Like they were, you know, they were trying to be Vince Lombardi on ten-year-old kids, and <laughs> and it really was a problem. And hopefully, it got fixed. But the the like, now it's mascots. I know. <laughs> Like when we, you would sit there and somebody would be at, you know, a, a neighborhood gathering and said, oh yeah, he coaches a youth football team. You're like, oh, oh, he does, huh? And yeah. you know, that really was the thought process of if that was your job, then you must be this person. I've come to believe that, that all tracks lead back to ignorance <laughs> with this. Yeah. Like I really do. Yeah. Like whether it was your upbringing or what you followed, whatever it is, it's, it's, it's just ignorance. Yeah, they're not. I don't think they're they're in any way, shape, or form bad people. Right. 
they're just they should be more educated in and I don't mean school no. book educated I just mean educated Correct. just knowledgeable right. in this stuff the lack of education and lack of understanding seems to be at the root of what we are seeing you you here came now. from a fairly small town I oh, came I've, from a rural small town or a rural Canadian right. education. And, and I'm not tooting my own horn, but the fact that I got out and saw the world and some of my friends didn't. Yes. Like, Whoa. Oh, well, is it? <laughs> I hear Whoa. you. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like you look back on that and you know, a lot of these guys, if you look at, at uh, not all of them, right. but a, a lot of these coaches, when they were coming up through the system and that, I mean, a little bit of education, but mostly the education of the game yep. and you know, push forward and this is what I believe in. And your parents were probably not highly educated, college educated no. people. They were people that had to work for a, a living. And, and they were raised with a certain form of discipline. discipline. Yeah. yeah, all those things. So anyway, so what, when we when we look back, whether it be a year from now or five years from now or whatever. And people look back and they go, okay, the Jim Montgomery era with the Dallas stars was mostly about, or what was your, I, I hate to say this because I really do like Jim and I do know, I thought he was in a good place. I think he's Glenn Gullitson. I think he's a guy who was here, stopped by, did a pretty good job when he was here and will fairly be forgotten for being a head coach of the Dallas stars. That's just me. No, he's cold. That, I know. Like, uh, Sorry. It is a relatively short period of time when you actually stop down for a second, and it's been tough to stop down because of a lot of balls in the air. Yeah, and, <laughs> and I don't, I don't have any bad things to say about Glenn Gullitson. He was just here, and then he was gone. Yeah, and that's what he was. Oh, he was here last night too. I on know, the but I'm bench. <laughs> I, I would say this that that Monty built upon Hitch's shift to much better defensive hockey here. And he was extremely player media friendly, which we appreciate from a very selfish standpoint. And I, I honestly, I believe there's there's going to be mem- remembrances of surges of excellence, but also pockets of man, really like like it just seemed like it was a, not a roller coaster, but it was it was a bit of a log ride. The, the biggest, the, the overriding thought that I have is they couldn't score goals. He, I think he thought that they were going to score goals. I think you look at the personnel on the roster and say, well, they should score goals. Mm-hmm. And you look and see every single one of them has seen a decrease in their scoring over the last year and a half. And you're like, okay, so how could he not solve that problem? Yeah. And then from a fan standpoint, I think that makes it frustrating to watch the games. Mm. And so, but they did win. And that's a pretty, you know, that's a pretty nice step forward. Well, de- again, defensive acumen allows you to hang in and be around and 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 be victorious more so than than a fancy offense. Right. Fancy offense. The other thing I would say, and then we'll move on, is the the process. Yes, which was his sort of uh, go to chart for uh, an avenue to victory. Which is, it was really simplistic stuff, but it was put in visual form. Young guys nowadays like those, right, Totes? You like a chart. Love you enjoy a chart. And whether it's a bubble graph or a checklist or whatever it is. Uh, and I, so 
you know, when I think of Jim Montgomery, I honestly think of that. Yeah. Like it was such a big part of of his philosophy. And somebody asked, might have been Sean Shapiro. Somebody asked Rick Bonus, like, is that going to stay? Is that going to stay up in there? Because it's on the door right. in both uh, dressing rooms. And I, I think they just don't want to change. Right. Any, they don't want to paint over anything. Whatever. It's just. If we can maintain what we've been doing since that ugly start, let's just do that. Let's yeah. not yeah, like he, he hasn't changed his seat on the plane. He hasn't. Cha- I don't think he's changed the, the office. No, I don't think so either. Isn't that funny? Yeah, it is. He's but he's. I think that sticks to what he is. Like yes. he doesn't feel comfortable yeah. saying I'm the head coach. I'll do what you want me to do, but don't call me the head coach. I got. I have so much respect for him. I, I like. Too. I like Rick Bonus so much. Cheer for him. Anyway. All right, but uh, moving forward, the, the part part of that, but also bumping forward here on the holiday spectacular. The Stars entered last night's game with the number one defense in the National Hockey League. They lose two to one to the Oil. That won't change it much, but they were numero uno in goals against average, which. Hey, look, if, if, you're, if you pick one side or the other, be the best at it, I've always believed. If you want to be an offensive team, be the best offensive team. You want to be the toughest pe- team or, or tough team, be the toughest team. They're the best defensive team in the league right now. Yeah. Uh, system, focus, et cetera, all goalies. part of this. But goaltending, uh, this is a very good goaltending tandem, which prompted me to ask – What's your favorite? What was the best tandem in Dallas Stars history? Well, the best, in my opinion, was Eddie and Marty. It was, they were really good. Weren't they together? They were that last year. No, they were, that's interesting. And they were, I mean, like. Tell me why. Well, one, I think the, the players really liked Marty. I mean, he's. Well, they he's, didn't like Eddie. Wow, no, bombshell. Bombshell. Oh, Heike's dropping it they, in here they, today. They loved Eddie, but like, I think they wanted to help the kid. You know, they liked the kid. The kid was pretty good. The kid paid his dues in the AHL. And when he came up here, I think they were kind of fired up. I th- one of those years. I think it depended on who you were talking well, to. Well, that may have been true. Uh, I liked the kid, so maybe I just saw it too. I my, love the kid. I <laughs> love my, both. I love both. I did of too. Them. I did too. I liked them both. But it was just interesting to have that guy who would go on to basically set every franchise goaltending record as your backup. And in my opinion, that's the right way to do it. You have a kid and you bring him in. Now, Anton Hudobin's fantastic, so it's working out. So, which one's the kid, Bishop Mar- or Hudobin? No, no, it's not anymore. Oh, okay. But I'm just saying, back in the day when they were churning out Roman Turek and Manny Fernandez and Mike Smith and Marty Turco, that was a really good way to to advance your goaltending by having the okay. young kid. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Your turn. No, no. Speak I, goaltenders. I find that very interesting. There was a there was an awkward dynamic between no, those no, I know two guys, but on the ice, on the ice. Yes, Eddie had was coming off of winning a Stanley Cup and could have very easily been the Conn Smythe Trophy winner for that group. And th- they don't do what they did in the late 90s without that guy backstopping them. No, he was the Conn Smythe Trophy winner in 2000, if you Okay, let me run through the tandems since the Stars moved here. I think I got most of them. <laughs> Mogan Wakaluk. Liked it. That was fun. It was. They had to come in when things were in their infancy here. Moog Urbe. Still liked it. The great Arters Urbe, yeah. right? Belfort Turek. 
Fun. That would be on. They'd be on my list. Okay. I don't know whether they're one, two, or three, but I have my favorite threes here. So they're they're certainly there. They. I mean, that was a. And Roman Turek won some games during oh the year gosh. that I, you needed to have a mask on, which he did. That that was appropriate uh, in order to win those games because he got the crap games. And sometimes, you know, when Eddie's back went wonky or whatever, I'd include myself in there. So really it was Belfort, Turek, and Ray <laughs> then. That was I, the best year of goaltending. I do laugh because I've asked you this before, but you would go in for 20 minutes? Eddie, you know what? And Eddie, you look like an NHL goalie for it, 20 minutes. It, well, thank you. That's no, I mean, all, you I'm really also did. offended by that, but whatever. <laughs> but for 20 minutes of practice, you were great. But then it's hard to do that, isn't it? Uh, to, to sustain greatness? <laughs> no, to I be, prove that every day in what an, I do now. But. To be a practice goalie for <laughs> more than 20 minutes. Yeah, when you're like, out of shape, yeah, it is. Uh, anyway, that was fun. Eddie yeah. was very, when we went to his uh, Belfour Spirits kickoff, and he didn't have to. He was just right. very nice to me, some things he said about that year. And he was, I mean, he was a little too effusive in his praise and the idea that I don't think we could have won that year without you type thing. But I believe that if there was a Con Smythe Trophy winner in the midst that wasn't Joe Newendike, and you think it was Belfour, really the Razor Boy. Probably true. Okay, then we had Belfour uh, Turco, and followed by Turco Hedberg, Johan. Yeah, that actually wasn't bad. That's that's in my three too. That that was one of one of those guys who had the oddest body shape. His legs, like he was only what six foot maybe, but his legs were so long. His body was short, and his legs were just. Did we have Tuggy here at one point too? Tuggy? That was after that. Was, didn't we go into the Richard Bachman? Yeah, era I think that was partial. Everything? I grouped a bunch together. Yeah, but then after the Turco Hedberg, there was Turco Smith. That was my second favorite, just because they were so fun. They were. They would go out on the ice, which apparently the NHL told them you can't do that anymore. But they'd be out there at like four in the afternoon, just playing around on the ice, shooting a puck yeah. from one end to the other. They were so brassy and oh brazen. The, the fact They're that- mocking Luongo in. Remember they put the little cardboard pads on the outside of their pads in Vancouver? Like it was. The fact that Mike Smith was a crazier goal handler than Marty Turk. How about I'm watching warm up last night. There's no goaltender in the league now that comes out for warm-up without their mask on. Right. Like, they all wear their mask out. I mean, you're a goaltender, yeah. and you're going to have to jump, especially when you're not playing as the backup. You're going to have to jump in at any time. Whenever the starter just wants to leave the net, feels like he's had enough, yep. you're expected to jump in there. Mike Smith comes out with no bucket on, no his mask on the bench. And for the first eight minutes of warm-up, he never even moved to put it on. That didn't even motion. It's got the, I have. He's got the hair. Going. I know, but <laughs> I have never ever seen that. Like I, I love the fact the stars still have what maybe a half a dozen guys that don't yeah. wear their helmets and warm up. Some of these teams, everybody wears their bucket. That to me, they they should not wear helmets and warm up. I love that look. I just love it, but I've never seen it from a goalie. Uh, okay, then then we had Lettinen. Uh, Kari came in and he was phenomenal early on. Yeah. Uh, but it was Lettinen and Raycroft. And then it was Lettinen and seven different stiffs one year or over a two-year span. I mean, it was just... He, I think it was a year, at least one year and maybe two or three where he led the league in goalie minutes. Yeah. I mean, they didn't have anybody but no. Kari Lettinen. Oh, he was... They were not good and he was their MVP. Right. But it was kind of in the wheelhouse of... of Bankruptcy? <laughs> no, but even who he was. Cause yeah. 
you know, that's what he was in Atlanta. Yeah, same thing. Expansion team, and they'd give up 40 shots a night, and they weren't good enough, but he'd play brilliantly. His numbers weren't weren't great, but they were in games because of him. Yeah. Uh, so then I missed Turco and Tobias Steffen. That was another tandem. Uh, Letton and Niemi, they each won 25 yep. because this team could outscore anything that year. Bishop Lettinen, which was a very good yeah. uh, tandem. Kari morphed himself into a backup, essentially, and he he was magnificent on the road, especially. And, right. And remember the run he went on on the yeah. road? He got some bad games there, too. <laughs> yes. And that brings us to Bishop and Hudobin the last two seasons. Yeah. You can which, make the argument that maybe they're the best. Who? Uh, Bishop and Hudobin. Well, that's, like, how I mean, do you argue with it? Right now, last year they were, I think, uh, Two or three and ten, I think wasn't Hudobin like in top ten in qualified goal? Like top ten, yeah, in goals against. Yeah, and you, safe just, you don't get that very. No, often. and right now I think they're the same thing. I think they're both top ten. They are. So they are. So what are you going with? I get. I laid it all on the table for you, like a doily. Now, what's the criteria? Is it best or is it most fun? Or I don't know. What did I say? Best slash favorite tandems in stars history the best i'm gonna go back to marty and eddie in 2000 your story on those two and then the my favorite was uh marty and mike smith just for all their shenanigans in the hallway and soccer games and playing on the ice and cardboard pads <laughs> yeah i i can't look past belfort and turek yeah. i just excuse me belfort turek ray uh <laughs> in 99 they did win it all uh, I too, uh, it's an easy favorite with Turco and Smith, just because they were they were fun and bizarre. Oh my gosh, so much fun every day ice, off the ice. Like these are day. two goalies. Usually they're. You but know, I have I have massive respect for these two. Oh my in gosh. here right now. Yeah, the numbers just like I have to go down every game and say, okay, Ben Bishop is this against this team, and I swear to you, every single opponent, he's got nine twenty plus save percentage, right. and you're like. 920? Oh, he's got 920 against this team. Oh, he's got 920 against this team. I mean, that's impressive. It is. It is. You know what? Let, let's take a break because we've exhausted ourselves, right. I think, here. Uh, we need to grab ourselves a fresh eggnog, maybe stoke the fire, and we'll come back and we'll empty our stockings here on the holiday extravaganza. We are here again, and uh, Heike has promised he will not sing anymore. I was listening. Uh, our Bing Crosby of podcasting, if you will. Very quickly, with the news yesterday, the Taylor Hall mm -hmm. trade, the sort of overall... Rental market or just that trade sense, in particular? the sense of that. Very quickly. Very quickly. Uh, I like it. Uh, I think Arizona needs it, seeing what... You know, they've done here in Dallas. Uh, you really have to take the fan by the lapels and shake them and say, come watch my product. And they're doing that. It's a little bit like trading Rudolph, though, isn't it? <laughs> out, of your, out of your group when well, you think. we saw them the other day. I well, think, he was. I, I think you. He had his you, bag packed when they were in here. That's what I'm that saying. That team would look like a team 
that was uh, what a what a day you had the firing going on with the stars, and then you, you had this club come in. That was his last game in, with the New Jersey that, Devils. Yes, that was just. Uh, like you can sense when you watch some teams that they're just expecting the next shoe to drop. Yeah. And that's what they look like to me. Yeah. Like they're sitting with an interim coach and they've already they fired a coach for performance reasons and they have no goaltending and they're losing all the time and they were waiting for they knew this was coming. Yep. There were trade rumors and all of a sudden it gets done. I think it's staggering though in some ways that you have a guy that was taken first overall. And one MVP of the entire National Hockey League in a Devils uniform two years ago, and now when you look at it, he was—he's been traded twice. He was traded the first time from Edmonton for a stay-at-home defensive defenseman, one for one, and two years after being the MVP of the NHL, the Hart Trophy winner, he gets dealt for. A few prospects and a first-round draft pick. Conditional first-round, Like, that's unbelievable. Yeah. I was saying to some guys, if they they would have traded him at the draft this summer, do you think they would have got more than three prospects and a first-round draft pick? But they were going for it in the summer, remember? Man, I just... They were trying to get him long-term. And they're retaining 50% of his salary. Yeah. It's the only way they can make a deal work. Everybody's near the cap. I'm with you. It's, It's really hard. It is what it is. Anyway, that was the guy that went just ahead of Tyler Sagan, 2010. Right? They traded Tyler Sagan too. Can you believe that? He was second not, overall pick. Not for, <laughs> not for that. I don't know. Looking back, well, Louis Erickson, Riley Smith. That's you're right. Riley Smith. There ain't no Louis Erickson's or Riley Smiths going to. We'll see about the Devils. That. Well, not immediately. No, not immediately. My God, Heike. What is wrong with you? A lot. All right. Uh, uh, This came to mind the other day, and I know it's – I'm going to bring it back around to hockey because I'm good at this. You are. But I'm watching Jason Witten reach behind himself in the Cowboys game and basically just stick his hand out like it's a friggin' oven mitt. And the ball just sticks to his hand and he makes the catch. Would football gloves make a nice gift? This Christmas. Depends on what you're out there yeah, I doing. Guess, I guess it would. <laughs> I, I say that facetiously because the, the real question is, is there a piece of, of tech that enhances offense in any sport more than those gloves in football? I mean, this is a weird one, but it's... Well, the answer is no, Heike. Uh, the answer is yes, Daryl, because I have to, uh, in my old job, I had to go cover the golf tournaments. And the technology that they use in fashioning those golf clubs to uh, send the ball sailing down the fairway. Not a bad point by you. It's amazing. That is pretty good. And it keeps coming up. You had it in you. I know. But I got to go out there and cover these. And I'm going like, oh, my gosh. And they're changing them. Like, they want the latest, greatest technology to get an extra 10 yards on their shot. And they're getting it. I don't know what it would be if they hadn't changed it every day for the last 20 years. Uh, But my guess is they wouldn't be driving the way they're driving right now. But how are those gloves in football legal? How is that legal? They used to have stick them. They outlawed it. And then I they, know. So they outlaw stick them, right? And they say, but you can wear these gloves that are basically a spider web on your hands. That's nuts. 
Do you want offense, Daryl? Do you want do. good catches? That's the point. Okay, in baseball, <laughs> if they allowed the guys to use aluminum bats, somebody would die. Like a third baseman would have his head taken. How far off. would they hit a ball, though? Oh my gosh! To the moon? Yeah, I think. Like you watch college baseball and see some of those, and then now take what an awful sound, though. Eh? It is awful. It was like back to golf. Remember Nike came out with the what was that called? The the Sumba or something. I don't know. It was like a square driver and it sounded just horrific. It didn't last very long. It was dumb. Basketball? Totes? Shoes. It's no. the only tech now. I mean, they the shoes are 100% better than they were when they had Chuck Taylors. Yeah, but the <laughs> shoes affect defense as much as they You're do right. offense. You're correct about that. But I'm just saying, if if indeed I'm talking it, tech, if technology, indeed it, if indeed it helps you jump higher or run faster or uh, have more endurance throughout the game. Oh, you piqued Totsi's interest. He gave you a little head snap. Like Totes, have you ever nails. worn Chuck Taylors? No. They're like tires don't, that you strap to Chuck, your feet. Don't bring up Chuck Taylors, Matt. <laughs> this, you're going back to your little Sunbeam car and all that. What about the shot clock? I like it. It's technology. It is technology. And it makes them shoot more. Correct. It, hence, the, more scoring. The interesting thing about that is how many NBA... I think NBA I just nailed it. You don't no. have to say anything else. I think I nailed Yeah. How many NBA possessions nowadays go to the shot clock? I don't know. That Totsie, help me out here. Algorithm. Everything happens. Yeah. No, no, I'm saying... Everything I'm is saying always everything. It's always everything. Yes. I'm saying in a... Typical NBA possession, are you going 24 seconds or are you going 10 seconds? Because I think the tradition of where the league is going, they actually don't even use the shot clock well, that much. Look, I'm, I, I didn't need – oh, he just waved you off. He did. I like that. He gave me I the like Heisman. That. He gave me the Heisman. Okay, in, in hockey, composite sticks. Yes. But that hasn't boosted much. Guys aren't scoring 100 goals. No. Uh, the short cuff gloves – Guys used to wear big, long gloves, short cuff gloves, yep. more dexterity. That hasn't really done much. Uh, the elimination of the illegal curve. That hasn't done no. much. Isn't that nuts? All of it. Uh, the, the naughty list coaches, you might, you might uh, be aware of this. I'm sure you are as well. Back in the day, this, this used to happen. Not a lot, but it happened a few times where a coach – would ask a star player on the other team for a stick for his charity. And, of course, the player would sign the stick and give it over to the other room. And then and then uh, they'd measure it. <laughs> and if that game went late, perhaps they're trailing, could call an illegal curve on that star player. This sounds like you, something Scotty Bowman might. No, it's illegal. <laughs> well, he might have, but there are plenty of other ones. Talk about the most black-hearted, callous move by the coaching fraternity. But they used to do it. Anything to win. That was a good move by the league to get away from the illegal curve thing. It's like, remember when they used to measure all the time? Well, it was in a Crazy. Stanley Cup final, wasn't it? Marty McSorley. I know. Well, here we are. We're we're uh, a week from Christmas. Two weeks from the Winter Classic, basically. And the, is it NHL Films? Yeah, NHL Studios. NHL Studios. Road to the Winter Classic cameras uh, are in our midst. At least they were, and then they went away, and now they're coming back again. 
uh, incredible content, unfettered access. Uh, maybe they arrived a dollar short and a day late considering the news of last Tuesday, but maybe not. Uh, that was some pretty money stuff that went on. That said, our little millennial movie maker, Jeff Totes, does as much more often with way less than what this crew came in with. And I'll put uh, I'll I'll fight you on it. Now I haven't seen what they actually are going to pump out. I have seen a ton of what Totsi puts out, and it's awesome. But we we welcome Jeff Totes to the microphone. Hey hey, to talk about this because this is your wheelhouse. This is what should we expect from them, and uh, just maybe your thoughts on access content and embedded photojournalism. All of it. That was actually one of the first things I thought when I heard we were getting the Winter Classic was I'm excited to see this process. These guys coming, uh, they just arrived last week. Like you said, I benefit a bit from them coming in a day late. They're using all my footage from last Tuesday, which see? is cool. Getting just, in just like I said, Totsi was all over it. Getting in the credits there, which is awesome. Uh, and one of the most interesting parts that we're in right now that they're done shooting is we're in the back and forth of they've sent in their first cut of the first episode. PR views it. That goes up to coaches, uh, hockey ops, GMs. Okay, that's good. So how many episodes? There's only going to be three episodes. Three episodes. Now, it has to get signed off by how many people? So many people. It's built into their edit schedule to show it to the team uh, like a whole week before it has to air because now they're in the revision process. Would that be the same for like Hard Knocks and that? Yeah, it's crazy actually. That's one of the things I was reading. Uh, Hard Knocks actually shoots roughly 36 hours of footage for every 10 minutes that makes the HBO cut. Is that crazy or what? That's a nutty ratio. Yeah, isn't that wild? It's uh, And one of the things, one of the hardest parts of a team accepting hard knocks is then the coaching staff has to sit in the edit basically every other day. John Gruden had to sit in and watch the edit and pull footage that he didn't No wonder like. he was so pissy at times during right. that. Right. It's, it's a huge undertaking for an NFL team to have yeah. hard knocks. Uh, and I, I think the ratio I just said of 36 hours to 10 minutes might be wrong. I'll check that and get back to you. Um, but it's a fascinating process. So right now, NHL Studios sent over their first cut. Tom Holy viewed it. Jim Nill, Rick Bonus. Um, so now they're filling. Wait, do you have any idea what the what the guidelines are from NHL? What's it called again? NHL Studios. NHL Studios, where there's, they have to have some autonomy, do they not? What do you mean by that? Well, that they, they they say, look, we're going to do this. You, you, there's some competitive balance stuff that you guys can say we can use or we can't use. Some of it, though, hey, we're using this. Now, there's has, none of that. Team has final say on everything. On everything. Yeah, and so the first cut, the first cut that they send over is like their wish list. This is how we want it to be. But the team comes back to them and says, we can't use this. This is this could come back and you know reveal. We should do a parallel show where we just go off and just the all access yes. uncut everything's in there expose it wait which i'm not, i don't want to cut you off you got more no no the the, the thing i i'm curious from your viewpoint is uh, especially with your generation how much of that is what they just thirst for that behind the scenes all behind the curtain it's mic'd up it's amazing. I'm such a big fan of hard because, knocks. Is that because of reality television? It and is. And what you're growing up on? Yeah, and it's just the uh, growth of like 
sports storylines beyond just the 60 minutes of a How game. How much greater, though, would it be if the teams had no say in Oh, my goodness. If It would be incredible. It would be must-see TV. People would lose jobs? Probably. Do you think so? Probably. You hear all the stuff. Yeah, you have to censor it. That, that's the thing also with I have all this footage and it's working with PR to get juicy storylines, show these guys how interesting they are while still retaining everybody's See, that, trust. That to me is the is the biggest issue that we've had in our sport forever is that the guys are not as uh, homogenized and dull as they come off. Exactly. And they're, they're nowhere near that. No. But we won't, we don't allow it. Exactly. And a lot of times, and I understand it from uh, and all general managers are the same way, but we in our sport give our general managers just vast powers of no, 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 no. And, and it does cripple broadcast from time to time. At the same time, if you've been on the other side of the sport – where you're either a player or in management or coaching, you understand why you can't because they want there's so much parity and they want so much control because every little thing might tip the balance. That's their belief. I'll throw this one out there. Do you think they want the behind the B back on uh, Tyler Sagan's assessment in the scouting room? Yeah, exactly. That's how you lose a team's trust and you don't get that access. Yeah. And it, it, it does come down to that, doesn't it? Exactly. It's trust. I, I, we feel that every day in what we do on our broadcast. And you, you alluded to it earlier. Like, there are times when it's like, should I don't think we should air that. I don't think we should go with that. We probably shouldn't say that. Because we, we are the best visual and audio conduit to the fans right. from our hockey club. The only reason we exist is advertising and the hockey team. That's true. Period. Now, when you get into the behind-the-scenes stuff like that and mic'd up and all that, that, that's humanizing, interesting. I still don't understand why the league won't, won't allow us to just bleep out uh, profanity. Right. I, I, I don't get that at all. You know what's going on. Of course. Right. Uh, but they want, they want you to pretend that there's none of but it. But why? I don't get that either. Nobody believes that hockey players never swear. Right. Or coaches or refs or any of them. And I, I, I don't think anybody's going to be overly scarred if they're, all of a sudden there's... Yeah, exactly. You can hear it on the radio. You can watch it on television. You're a half-decent lip reader. You know so, what's going on. Um, mic'd up players... And that content would do what for hockey in in your eyes, if you could just run it, it just to it to a certain degree. You know what I mean, right? Would just grow the game. It's interesting to everybody. You don't have to understand the X's and O's of hockey to be interested in the. You think you'd understand more hockey if you if we allowed that? And I the the problem I've always had is the mic'd up audio that actually ends up is yeah. here we go, boys, come on, guys. It's, and you're like, oh my God, is X player an um, absolute moron? It's so robotic. Like, does he and not have other words he could utilize in that situation? But that's all that that ultimately is allowed to pass the the sensors and hit airwaves. Exactly. And well, and that's tough because when you're in game, I'm shooting mic'd up, and then at intermission, I'm trying to cut it and get it to you guys in the truck for broadcast. And so there's no time for. Uh, anything risky to go through PR because the closest thing we had was when we played Washington, Jason Dickinson was mic'd up and he asked the ref for right. 
uh, breakdown yeah. of why Tom the Wilson's pass, Tom think. Wilson's goal was allowed, yeah. and that that was something that's really on the edge because they are so guarded with it that that's where RPR had to take it to league officials, and they had to sign off on it. And we did get to air it, and it was great Too television. Many steps, great television. It was terrific television, but that's rare. Most of the time, it is Wait, very robotic. Rare, great television is rare. <laughs> is that what you're saying? Hold it now. Rare that we get a mic'd up moment like that. So are mic'd up players and coaches and refs more interesting than mic'd up broadcasters? Is that what you're saying? Wes McCauley, Is that your belief? Yes. There's a balance. There's balance. You put him in a trap. I'm, ta- <laughs> I'm talking. I think, I think you put him in a trap. I'm going to talk understand. to Santa. I think you need to. Can I say this? And I really do mean it. When I get to watch a game at home on television, I enjoy it so much more than the arena. Uh, you and you really do enhance the product. Now, granted, I'm sitting on the ceiling. If I was on the glass or you know five rows up, I might enjoy it more. But when I get to hear you guys, and when I get the intermission breakdowns, and I get to see the replays on my huge uh, screen at home. I really actually enjoy it more than being in the arena. Yeah, but you're... I'm a putt. Jaded. Can I ask uh, Totes one thing? I'll make it quick. Uh, Okay. What did you see in their equipment that you might like? Because it seemed like you liked their equipment. Oh, my God, did they have a lot of equipment. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I was geeking out about Was it like Christmas morning? No, it's like Christmas morning, but you're at Best Buy and can't buy anything. You just... You get to see the best of everything, and it's just you formulate a wish list. It's like we can't afford one of those items. It's so it, it's cool to see um, the way they go about the production, but it's it's apples to oranges the size and scope of what I'm doing versus what they're doing. So it, it is cool to see, and it's very informative. But the equipment doesn't compare. <laughs> It just goes to show that he's doing this with an old wooden stick, and you know. Like, well, that's, <laughs> that's exactly that's what I'm. That's yeah. what I'm saying. He's getting hundred mile hour slap shots out of an old wooden stick. Like the you you tried to fawn over me a little bit. I'll do the same with Tote. Like the stuff that Jeff Totes pumps out for us is our best stuff. Yeah, it's what people are most interested in, and uh, you know he's sitting right there and he's blushing and all that, but it's it's the truth, and he works his tail off. Uh, to get it, but he's earned the trust of everyone. He's got an artistic eye, and uh, and he's got a work ethic. Yep. That's that's what you need to do great things in this business. And we've got him here on Rinky Dinking. Well, and he's also the great. He's also the greatest <laughs> producer slash personality in Rinky Dink podcasting history. So, with that, one question to you, and then we'll say goodbye. Who who is the is it who or whom is the is the best behind the scenes guy that if you could mic him up and show his personality and what goes on in behind the scenes to the greater stars world, it would be. Yeah, I'm going to use this to uh, pump my own content. Coming out this week is a new episode of Open Ice on DallasStars.com and the Dallas Stars YouTube page. And on it, uh, I go to Anton Hudobin's house, ride to the rink with him. He's mic'd up while he sits between the benches for a game, and you can't get enough Anton Hudobin. He's great, and 
everything that comes across in his moments that people think is funny is exactly his personality and he's just the best and then second honorable mention tyler sagan mic'd really up, mic'd up in game he is so entertaining and hilarious and so camera aware he's just fascinating there's some of that in this episode too i thought it would have been someone like blake como or someone not no. Jamie. I didn't have Jamie on my list. It's not Jamie. It's Jamie all. for funny reasons. Like, it's funny to you to hear the stuff that goes on in his head during a So game. we've got a pretty good sense then, I think, from what you've done, that that Tyler and, and Anton have personalities that need to be shown even more. Very much blossomed. so. Both of those and they, two. And they enjoy it. Oh, That's definitely. That's part of it, too. Definitely. Right? They get to hang out with me. <laughs> <laughs> Here's an aside on Tyler. He knows stats, like all of them. He'll come in and he goes, I, I guess I was something like, I don't know, uh, uh, six for uh, seven on the faceoffs, and I had four shots on goal. And, uh, you know, like he'll just, all of that stuff. Like you say he's camera aware, he's aware of everything. It's amazing how good he is at that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the generation. Yep. Well, everyone. It's goodbye and happy holidays to all of you RD consumers. We're off until, what do you think, boys? Two more weeks. 27th? After winter. uh, 27th, maybe? Do you think maybe the 27th? Let's do a preview. Let's do that. Maybe. The eyes of the nation will be upon us. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't we put it this way? We'll see how soul-crushing Christmas is for the three of us. (laughs) And whether we want to actually put forth another one of these on the 27th. So till next time, and I need you guys to join in at the end, if you would, please. Oh, the fire is slowly dying. And my dear, we're still goodbye. Not yet. Okay. But as long as you love me so, here's your spot. Let's let it snow. Let Let it it snow. Let it snow. (sighs) Beautiful. Happy holidays, everyone. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. You really are a heel. You're as cuddly as a cactus. You're as charming as an eel, Mr. Grinch. You're a bad banana with a greasy black peel.